everyone, and welcome to this week's um, Fireside Chat. Uh, we're excited to see all of you um, online today. So as you can see um, today, I am actually socially distancing from uh, our leader, Tim Cross. Uh, I'm Lisa Stearns, I'm Vice Chancellor of Marketing and Communications, and um, we are anxious to get started and uh, answer some of your questions. Uh, just a couple of housekeeping items. Uh, your audio is automatically muted. Please keep it that way. It just helps us um, to better hear uh, Dr. Cross as he, as he speaks. Um, if you have questions, we are taking questions. Please use the chat function, which um, is, is at the bottom of your Zoom screen. Um, your your uh, questions will be seen if you post them publicly, but if you wish to send a question, you can send that to me privately in that chat function as well. So we'll get to those questions as best we can. Um, one other note for those that can't join today, if you'll let them know, we are recording this session and it will be available to uh, anyone in, on the coronavirus website on the UTIA homepage. You can access that at utia.tennessee.edu. So let's jump right in here. Um, first, uh, Tim, would you please give us all an update on the Institute and specifically talking about facility access, employees working remotely, and the continuity of operations? Great. Well, thanks for kicking us off, uh, Lisa, and, and thanks to all of you for joining us this morning. I thought it'd be good for us to, to put our heads together again just briefly as an institute and make sure uh, we all kind of know where we're at and, and what's going on. I'm feeling a little like the Maytag repairman uh, here this morning. Uh, while I've been working from home all week, I chose to come into the office uh, this morning and I can tell you, it's, uh, it's quite quiet uh, in Morgan Hall today, and that's the way we want it to be. But uh, it, it does feel a little odd to be uh, really working alone quite so much. Now, like all of you, I've had uh, many, many minutes on Zoom calls, phone calls, uh, email, chat, you name it. But it still feels a little bit isolating, obviously, and that's the purpose. Uh, that's what we want to do. But I know we're all probably... Uh, struggling a little bit to adjust to that. By and large, everybody in the Institute is a people person. Uh, and when you have that lack of uh, people connection, uh, it really seems to, to have a, a negative impact, but I've been so impressed with, with the work that's still going on. So let me talk just a little bit about uh, updates since uh, a week ago, and really there, there aren't a, a large number of those updates. Uh, the first thing is uh, in terms of uh, our facilities, we've now restricted access to only employees, students, uh, and really uh, critical stakeholders uh, at all of our facilities, both on campus and across the state. Uh, and that includes our extension offices, that includes our research and education center buildings, and Dr. Shin and the research and extension center directors are also now uh, monitoring and controlling access even to our uh, outdoor facilities, our external facilities uh, at the research and education centers. So that is a change uh, from a week ago. 
I think that's been working quite well. Uh, I don't know of any particular issues or challenges associated with that. I do appreciate the fact that uh, the gardens remain accessible uh, to the public and to our own folks. Uh, you know, as, as we shared uh, in the note from Dr. Strand last week, this is a time when, you know, you really need to sometimes take a pause and get outside and stretch your legs and get some fresh air. What better place to do that than at one of our gardens or at, at, at your own gardens at home or, or uh, in nearby parks uh, or outdoor areas. So we're trying to maintain uh, those, those garden areas accessible, obviously encouraging everyone to practice good social distancing as they uh, enjoy those opportunities. Uh, let me also talk just a little bit about continuity of operations, which is really sort of the technical term for how are we keeping the Institute functioning uh, during this time. And again, I'm really uh, pleased and proud of the work that's going on. Uh, we, we uh, I think, are operational, if you will. A lot of folks have said, well, I hear the university shut down. Uh, how are things going? And, and to some, they think uh, the changes that have been announced means the lights are off, the doors are locked and closed, and, and no work is going on. Every one of you on this call today know that that's not true, that's not the case, and that's not what we intend either. Uh, we are still operating, we're still uh, achieving those major uh, goals that we've talked about previously, and uh, I think that's the way it should be. Uh, we're, we're providing value to those we serve, and we need to continue doing that. Great. Well, in this time of, of uncertainty that we're all living through, um, hearing some highlights um, of the week would be helpful. What are some of the um, stories that you have heard about how uh, UTIA is responding to this pandemic? Yeah, thank you. A week ago, I mentioned, you know, we really need to be sharing things that are happening, positive things that are going on. Uh, and a lot of that has been happening. So let me just touch on a few really high level uh, highlights. Uh, first, let me talk about uh, research. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about, well, we're going to uh, discontinue research, uh, but that has not been the case. We have been able to adopt uh, uh, social distancing practices, CDC guidance, uh, in terms of being able to continue critical research. And, and again, if you think about many of those projects having been underway for weeks or months, or in some cases years, uh, discontinuing them overnight would be really devastating. Uh, and it's great to know that uh, many of those projects are able to continue. And we're doing it in a way that uh, I believe truly protects our employees, the, the graduate students uh, and other students who may be involved with them, uh, such that, again, we can continue uh, the, the projects and continue achieving the results we were hoping for uh, while still protecting our health. Uh, UT Extension, a lot of things going on, some of them directly related to coronavirus. And some of them related to uh, just continuing to serve, again, farmers, families, and communities, and youth across the state. So too many uh, examples to, to really uh, talk about anything specifically. But what I would say is it's real obvious that uh, it, across the entire state, everyone uh, in Extension is rolling up their sleeves, figuring out how to deliver programs in new ways or uh, determining how they can best help or assist or serve their communities. So. Uh, lots of great examples there. In the College of Veterinary Medicine, uh, we're still continuing to receive uh, critical care and emergency care cases, uh, as well as still continuing to make visits to farms. 
that, that need farm animal health uh, uh, urgent uh, treatment as well. Uh, Dr. Thompson and the whole uh, uh, staff at the College of Veterinary Medicine have been very nimble in adapting to, uh, to this situation, continuing to serve clientele while again, uh, making sure we protect uh, the health and safety of our faculty and staff. All student uh, education throughout both the College of Veterinary Medicine and the College, uh, Herbert College of Agriculture has now transitioned to being online. And that's the, the fourth and final highlight I guess I'd share. And that is that all of you who have uh, teaching responsibilities, whether it's in veterinary medicine or it's in agriculture, uh, have now spent one week uh, adapting to this new world of online instruction. And likewise, our students have spent a week adapting to uh, online learning. I know there's been some bumps in the road. I know there's been uh, some learning on the part of all of us, but I also know uh, we've, we've carried that out with very few uh, issues or problems. Uh, we've been reaching out to students directly, asking for those who might need help to let us know what help they need and how we can provide it, and, and really just doing our very best to stay connected. So uh, those are some, uh, again, the high level uh, highlights that I would share. We've been uh, receiving uh, examples, but uh, certainly want to continue to receive those uh, in the weeks ahead. And let me add to that, that um, if you are know of just some great stories about how the Institute is uh, responding to this pandemic, please um, shoot me or Dr. Cross a note. We would love to highlight these. We're, we're getting asked by the media and we're being asked by um, the system uh, office to hear some of these stories that can be highlighted uh, in a lot of different ways. So, so don't be shy about letting us know what is going on. Um, so Dr. Cross, many of us are adapting to this new approach of carrying out our jobs. Uh, we've had to do this obviously very quickly. Um, what advice uh, has the organization UTIA given to supervisors and then how can all of us support this effort um, to, uh, to be virtual? Yeah, great. Uh, and let me first say, I think our, our supervisors, our administrators, our department heads, our, our directors, county directors, center directors, uh, are really doing an excellent job in coping with this new world and this new, new approach to work that we've adopted just within the last couple of weeks. Uh, a couple of the things that we've shared and encouraged uh, everyone uh, in terms of our supervisors, and, and many of which were already being done, first of all, stay connected, uh, check in with folks either in small groups, uh, large groups like we're doing today, or, or even one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, let's make sure our faculty and staff you know, know what, what is expected of them, and let's make sure our supervisors know what's being done. Uh, that's a great opportunity to share some of those success stories we just talked about. And, and more than anything else, it helps to keep us connected. Again, in this time when, when we're each at our own places individually, it can feel like, uh, gosh, I'm really not part of a team anymore. Uh, the, the greatest extent to which we can stay connected is really important. Uh, secondly, we've, we've asked all of our supervisors to be sure they know the status of each employee, uh, where they're working from, uh, and again, just a, a general idea of some of the things that they're working on. So I think uh, we've been asked this week uh, specifically how many employees are working at home and how many are, are uh, still required to come to the office. For your information, uh, to the best of our uh, knowledge, uh, we estimated about 2,200 employees currently at home, uh, working remotely at least, uh, from the Institute of Agriculture. 
leaving approximately 300 uh, still uh, required to report uh, to the office or to their place of work on a daily basis. But again, even those uh, reports typically are under uh, different schedules, uh, different practices or different uh, social distancing uh, procedures. So uh, just to give you some frame of reference where we're at and we need to keep, make sure that we have a good handle on that so that we can effectively provide support and leadership uh, to, to all of our workforce. And then finally, uh, we've encouraged our supervisors all to, to obtain some of those uh, key accomplishments, highlights, success stories uh, every week uh, from, from each of you. We don't need paragraphs and, and, and uh, dissertations of information, but uh, knowing what, what great work you've done and how you've done it and what you've accomplished and what you've done to invest uh, in, in your abilities going forward for the future that will transform our institute and enable us to come out of this uh, coronavirus even stronger and with new and innovative programs, uh, that information is really helpful as well. So those are the three key points, staying connected, knowing uh, who's uh, in what sort of uh, work situation, and finally sharing uh, accomplishments and results. Great. Well, um... On a less happy note, uh, we knew this would happen, um, but, the, but the University of Tennessee Institute of Agriculture has had its first um, confirmed case of COVID-19. Um, so how do our numbers look today? Well, I'm really uh, quite proud to say our numbers look exactly the same today. We have had so far uh, to this point in time still only one confirmed case. And that's great news, and I think that's a great reflection on everybody doing their part to, uh, to stay isolated, uh, to stay uh, quarantined when necessary uh, in order to reduce the, the uh, spread of the uh, coronavirus. So, uh, so far, we've only had the one confirmed case. And as we uh, really enter into approximately our second week of our new posture in terms of working remotely, I truly expect uh, the number of cases uh, that would be work-related certainly uh, would, would continue to be small and, and perhaps uh, we can hold it at the current level of only one. Certainly we want to uh, wish the very best for that one case. Uh, no one wants to be uh, the, a, uh, afflicted with this virus, uh, but we also know that uh, the vast majority of those who are tested positive uh, fully and completely recover in a short period of time. So. Uh, we're, we're keeping an eye on that, uh, and we will be sure to uh, notify if there is a positive case. But increasingly, we will have had uh, no direct contact between employees for a good long while, uh, and, and that's a good thing. So the risk of transmission uh, from employee to employee should be very, very low and decreasing every day. And a reminder that at, on the coronavirus website, um, there is some great information on how you can stay as safe as possible. So um, we've had some, some really great information posted to that site. Okay, so we will uh, take questions. As a reminder, don't forget to use the chat function if you do have a question, and we have had a few. Um, one is, how will the quarantine policy change that, um, that has taken place now that there are more than 20 cases in Knox County? Uh, how will our quarantine policy, I guess, change based on that, um, those 20 cases in Knox County? So at this time, uh, you know, most every community, it seems, is, is in a different 
posture or state of uh, state of reaction to the virus here in Knox County. The uh, Knox County mayor issued a shelter in place uh, order, but uh, it certainly indicated essential businesses and services should and could continue. Uh, and really that's about as, as uh, strong or solid a stance, I think, as we would see in Knox County uh, until such time as there might be a, a federal and or state order uh, that, that could be more stringent. So at this time, even with 20 cases in Knox County, I don't anticipate any changes uh, here in this local area. But I recognize also that Knox County is only one out of 95. So bear in mind, it, it's really hard to, to predict what might be going on or, or to report accurately what's going on in each of those 95 counties. We still certainly want to follow the advice and guidance uh, of, of each of our uh, local uh, county governments and make sure to do uh, what's what's ordered or, or uh, mandated in each of those locations as well. If you look at what we've done and how we're operating right now uh, and then think of a worst case scenario, if you will, how how much more stringent could things become? Again, I think the, the only real two possibilities are a state mandated shelter in place with a very restrictive set of essential uh, businesses and services identified and or a federal order uh, similar to that. And at this point, you know, we really think that the major changes that we would see might be further uh, guidance with regard to research projects, uh, perhaps uh, counseling as to which ones are truly essential and, and really have to uh, continue onward. Uh, there's a group uh, that includes uh, uh, representatives from AgResearch, uh, as well as the University of Tennessee Knoxville looking at ongoing projects and, and helping to develop guidance should an order like that uh, be uh, executed. And I think that even if it is, it won't be implemented overnight. It will be phased in over a period of time such that if we have to, we can scale back uh, without abandoning projects entirely and perhaps do it in such a way that uh, we can scale them back up uh, again quickly as well. So that's a long-winded answer to say, really, I don't see any changes in the short term. But uh, I said that a week ago, I said that two weeks ago also, so bear in mind, it's still a, a fluid situation, but we're, we're trying to keep very close track of it. I still connect with the uh, policy group and the emergency operations center here on campus so that we stay uh, informed and, and contribute to needs and issues from the Institute to campus level decision making as well. Great. Well, we've had another question and it's um, on the academic side and that is, what is known about possible changes to promotion and tenure clocks? Yeah, so that question basically uh, reflects, uh, you know, the fact that some of our assistant professors uh, who are currently in the midst of their probationary period uh, may be experiencing real challenges in terms of teaching classes conducting research, uh, delivering extension educational programs, uh, serving clients uh, in our veterinary hospital, and, and clearly they're, they're worried that this would have a detrimental impact on their ability to have a, a strong package of, of accomplishments to report. Uh, at, at today's board meeting, this afternoon, uh, the board will be presented a proposed change in the uh, uh, tenure policy to enable those who do feel like they've been disadvantaged uh, by the coronavirus uh, and that are still under tenure consideration to extend their, their time period by at least a year. 
And the idea would be that uh, that would be up to each individual faculty member to request that, but that we would broadly support that uh, from an administrative perspective. So I expect that to be uh, uh, passed this afternoon and put in place such that those uh, who do have uh, challenges to their tenure clock uh, will be able to have an additional year uh, at least in order to uh, cope with that situation. Good question. Okay, and um, we have another question, and uh, this person says that a message was sent out uh, earlier concerning research that we're strongly discouraging beginning any new experimental activities that would take more than a day or two at this point. So should faculty proceed with field research projects for the 2020 growing season? I think first and foremost, you know, every project's going to be different. So that's a conversation with a direct supervisor, uh, without a doubt. Uh, and if, if projects can be undertaken, particularly field projects, uh, and, and social distancing can be practiced and we can do things in a safe manner, uh, I do believe uh, it is still possible to do things uh, that are uh, seasonal critical. Uh, in other words, if we don't plan it right now, uh, we'll, we'll miss a window of research opportunity for a year. So uh, I would certainly counsel uh, contact with direct supervisor. If, uh, if there's further questions, uh, that, that supervisor can in turn uh, visit with the dean, uh, whatever dean is, is most appropriate, and determine what's best in terms of specific projects. So I, I know that uh, we're not trying to undertake a lot of high intensity, uh, high, high number of people projects within close quarters, certainly. But if we can do uh, new projects that, that can be carried out safely, uh, then, then I think we should consider how that might be approached. And this isn't so much a question, but somebody wanted to share that um, apparently uh, our ag industry partners are asking that if we do post pictures of farming, that we use the hashtag still farming, just to bring attention to um, uh, our industry and how important it is, uh, and certainly has been critical during this pandemic, because of course everyone, as we know, needs to eat. So. Yeah, good. I, I was just on a call with Commissioner Hatcher, President Aiken, Dr. Burns, uh, and others from the ag industry, and that, that was discussed uh, statewide. Uh, it's actually an effort, I believe, in the American Farm Bureau to uh, remind the, the public that uh, farmers are still producing food, uh, and, and we will still be able to eat, and we need to remind them that, that farmers are still hard at work out there producing their food supply, and clearly there's a lot of individuals throughout the whole supply chain uh, enabling that to happen as well. So a, a good opportunity for those of you that uh, have the opportunity to provide direct examples of those uh, in agriculture who are still farming. And, and I'm looking at Kevin Hoyt here, maybe we should also remind that they're still producing trees in order to produce the toilet paper and, and other supplies that we need as well. So uh, examples of both would be great. And I would say, don't forget to uh, tag UTIA too in any social media posts that you do so that we can see the great stories out there. Um, here's another question. Do you anticipate the university will still move toward a paid parental leave policy? Uh, this person is concerned that this will be put on the back burner, but given the current situation, um, is going to even be more critical for new parents during this crisis. 
you know, I, I don't have a good crystal ball on, on a, a continuing or permanent uh, a parental leave type policy right now. It, uh, the governor, as you know or recall, uh, issued an executive order uh, that would provide that leave for state government employees, but it excluded higher education and, and some others as well. The legislature pushed back on the governor's executive order. He, he withdrew it and then asked the General Assembly to, to pass a, a, a legislative act that would establish uh, a parental leave, uh, family and medical leave uh, support uh, for parents uh, in particular or for care of, of family members. Uh, but they did not take up uh, that action prior to their adjournment last week. So the question is, well, once they reconvene uh, on or about June 1st, if possible, will that become uh, an active item on their legislative agenda? And I haven't seen any, any uh, real projections on that at this point, but clearly the focus right now is entirely on, on the economy, on, on uh, our families in terms of their employment uh, and support for those who need uh, benefits. So uh, we'll just have to stay tuned to that. But what was the second part of the question, Lisa? I've, I've, uh, Talk so um, much, I forgot. Ju just a concern that um, as this pandemic carries on, that this will be put on the back burner and really should not be. Well, so I, I couldn't agree more. I think this is an important issue and one that uh, I do think will will get taken care of at some point. I wouldn't necessarily describe it as on the back burner. <laughs> But, uh, but I would not say it's probably the number one issue that, that uh, the governor, general assembly, and policymakers are, are concerned with at the moment. But highly related to it is, is the question of, all right, for those individuals who are now uh, facing care of children or, or care of parents or others, uh, care of those who may be sick, uh, you know, what, what support and relief is there? Uh, and I think that's an, an important uh, thing to consider. And I believe the university is looking at what, what more we can do in that regard uh, without a uh, legislative act. Great. Well, it looks like those are all the questions uh, from our audience. So do you have any um, closing remarks? Well, just, just a couple. One, let me give a shout out again to uh, Dr. Hoyt. I mentioned that our uh, external uh, facilities, our field facilities were restricted, but Kevin reminds us that the Arboretum out at uh, uh, the Forest Research uh, uh, and Education Center is still available for, for the public to use as well. So I mentioned the gardens. I forgot to mention the Arboretum. My apologies, uh, Kevin. But for those of you in and around uh, East Tennessee, if you want to have a stroll in the woods, uh, you can do that uh, out at the Arboretum. Just stay uh, six feet from everyone and, uh, and stay healthy. Uh, secondly, uh, I would uh, certainly want to thank each and every one of you. Uh, it's great to see you this morning uh, and great to have you online. Uh, I hope if you have needs that you'll let us know. Um, we we uh, are trying to stay informed without overwhelming your inbox, but if there's information you feel like you need that you haven't gotten, by all means, uh, please uh, uh, drop your supervisor a note, uh, give us a call, whatever it takes to, to try to uh, keep you informed. Uh, and then finally, I really feel like we are gaining some great uh, experience and some good knowledge uh, of new ways to do things, whether it be uh, processing paperwork for new hires uh, and moving that to more electronic means, 
whether it be delivering uh, courses or extension programs in a new format, uh, really adapting much of what we do to a more online uh, procedure, or even getting experience with working remotely. I think all those things are gonna benefit us long-term. So while I, I certainly don't uh, ever wanna say it's, it's great to have a crisis, I do think it's, it's good to make the most out of the situation that we face. Uh, thank you for what you're doing to, to adapt to this, uh, to be uh, resilient, to be supportive, uh, and to uh, help one another. Without you, uh, we would not be in a position to say we're still operational. So uh, thanks for what you're doing. Uh, let us know if there's more ways or different ways we can support you. And, and we'll uh, look forward to staying in touch uh, again as, as this uh, pandemic unfolds. Well, thanks, Dr. Cross, and thanks, everyone. We hope you have a wonderful weekend, and stay safe. Thank you.